Police cancel St. John's Santa Claus parade just 30 minutes before it was supposed to start. Five people killed in a highway crash in Huntsville, Ontario, four of whom were teenagers. Danielle Smith is hoping to challenge the constitutionality of a federal law through a make-believe process that doesn't exist. And despite the ceasefire and the fact that Hamas doesn't live there, Israeli settlers and military have terrorized Palestinians in the West Bank, killing at least 10 this past weekend. Good morning. It's Monday, November 27th. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. We start this morning in St. John's, where just 30 minutes before the annual Santa Claus parade, police asked parade organizers to cancel the event. This story is notable for the amount of information that police were willing to divulge as much as it is for the stories of why the event was canceled. Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m., police announced that they wanted people to avoid the area around Brazil Street at Lamarchand, Casey, and Barters Hill. Police had, quote, contained a property and were communicating with people inside, unquote. The police called the exchange a standoff. CBC News didn't report anything about the nature of the danger or the containment or anything actually really related to what was going on, just that police were worried about the safety of people because I guess we're supposed to assume that they hadn't resolved the issue that had started that morning and was still going strong by the time the parade was supposed to start. That time isn't mentioned in the article. The police intervention also forced a Palestinian solidarity rally to be postponed as well. Here's all the police said, quote, with limited communication and limited information, we are unable to really predict as to how long an event will play out. Unfortunately, we had to make decisions based on the information we have. We certainly feel it's unfortunate that an event had to be postponed. However, our priority is the safety and security of our community and the safety of anybody who may have frequented that area, unquote. By four o'clock in the afternoon, everything was considered clear. Now, it's a very big problem that police give such little information out about, well, pretty much everything. But the bar should be higher for them to make a call that cancels an event that expects to see 50,000 people come into the city. Shuttles were already running for people to get downtown. James Cadigan from the RNC told CBC News that, quote, more information will be provided in the days to come, unquote, which is something that people should pay attention to. Police benefit from being able to do pretty much whatever they want. And canceling an event 30 minutes before it was supposed to start is a massive inconvenience. We have no idea if this was done for actual safety or just because it was easier for the police in whatever was going on at the residence. Three people were arrested as a result of the intervention. Now to car accident news. Five people have died in a car crash near Huntsville, Ontario. One of the people who died was driving a Ford SUV. Her name was Jessica Lynn Ward. She was 42 and the mother of two teenagers. The four others were driving a Mercedes SUV and all were teenagers between the ages of 15 and 17 years old. They were all from North York and Richmond Hill, which is about a two and a half hour drive south of Huntsville. The cars were going in opposite directions along Highway 60. The Huntsville Doppler doesn't say who is considered to have caused the crash. 
Next to Alberta, where Danielle Smith told people who, for some reason, tune into her radio show that she will be using her province's extremely silly Sovereignty Act to protect emitters in Alberta and ensure that they can keep emitting fossil fuels. Ottawa wants the provinces to reach net zero in their electricity grids by 2035. Now, that is actually a really long time from now on the climate change plane, but Daniel Smith says that it's impossible for Albertans and will make electricity unaffordable. On her radio show, she said operators of the electricity grid will face jail sentences if they do not reach net zero, which is frankly a ridiculous lie for the premiers to say. And they will, quote, defend our constitutional jurisdiction, unquote, to ensure that the grid remains affordable. A spokesperson from Stephen Guibault's office said that the claim has not been raised to the Alberta Canada group working on figuring out how to implement net zero. They also said this, quote, Finally, let me put to rest false assertions over jail time for non-compliance with the regulations. This is an outrageous threat. While the proposed regulations do fall under a piece of criminal law, it is totally unrealistic that good faith non-compliance will lead to incarceration. Almost a quarter century of regulation under the Canada Environmental Protection Act demonstrates that non-compliance is addressed with warnings, compliance orders, and gradually larger fines, unquote. You know, maybe actually, though, it should be met with jail time because I don't know, maybe that'll get people to do stuff. Anyway, I digress. The article by Global News' Paula Tran says that Saskatchewan is also refusing to comply with the 2035 deadline, instead saying they'll work towards 2050 as a deadline, which is like, yeah, sure, maybe we'll still have an electricity grid by then that's based on fossil fuel. I don't think so. Don't think so, Scott Mill. Anyway. Tran quotes Professor Martin Olzinski, who says that aside from challenging the constitutionality of a law in court or getting new people elected, there is no way for Alberta to do what it's trying to do here with the Sovereignty Act. The province can't just decide to not allow a federal law to apply to it. He called Smith's posture political theater and that the act will likely just end up in court. I mean... Obviously, 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 that's how this works. There's a federal law that you don't like, you challenge it in court. You don't apply a made-up provincial law to confront it somehow. That is inventing how politics works, which, I mean, I do give points to Danielle Smith for creative legislating because, uh, yeah, we could use some more creativity, I guess, in, in the world of politics and law. And finally, to the West Bank. Al Jazeera is reporting that farmers, quote, faced near daily incursions and violence from Israeli settlers to the point that they live in fear of having their homes and land stolen, they say, unquote. There is already increased violence in the West Bank. In the past week, 10 people were killed in Janine City and Janine Refugee Camp. That puts the death toll in the West Bank at 237 people since October 7th, and 2,800 others have been wounded. It's the deadliest It's the deadliest year for the West Bank since 2005, when fatalities started to be recorded by the UN. Ayman Assad told Al Jazeera that they can hear attacks on the refugee camp. Kids have been doing school online at home because the Israeli army is blocking roads in the area. Assad is also worried that Israeli settlers will seize his farm and he won't be able to stop it from happening. In the West Bank, the Israeli military and settlers who are armed have been raiding Palestinian homes while Palestinians are under curfew. 
One farm called Milhem had a group of five settlers walk in, intimidate the workers, and then steal all of the olives and forced the workers out. They took their cell phones so pictures of them couldn't be taken. Now, the farm is under military control, even though it's in Area B of the West Bank, which is technically the responsibility of the Palestinian Authority. This past weekend, Israeli forces killed four teenagers, Ahmad Mohammed Hamad Abu Al-Hajjah, who is 16, Mahmoud Khaled Mahmoud Abu Al-Hajjah, who is 17, Amar Mohammed Faisal Abu Al-Wafa, who is 14, and Mohammed Riyad Fatih Saleh Farhan, who is 15. Those are your headlines for Monday, November 27th. I'm Nora. You're listening to this podcast at sandyandnora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you have a wonderful start to the week and I'll talk to you tomorrow.